So today we've got Dr. George Ross with us. He's a chiropractor in Putney and Marlebone. We get right back into his history as a privately educated boarding school student and how his family, basically nearly every member of them, is either a medic or some sort of health professional, which is kind of why he was inspired to become a chiropractor in the first place. Uh, but you know his chiropractic career evolved really interestingly where he's already ran a group of his own practices in Poole on the south coast but he decided for a after about 10 years of doing that a, a major change and a move to London where he's found his kind of spiritual home I think uh, living in central London so yeah interesting stories there outside of Cairo it's all about cars tennis watches the finer things in life um, but he even in you know imports uh, leisure wear from Brazil can you believe but anyway sit back have a listen I'm sure you'll enjoy getting to know George Ross a little bit more thanks yeah well thanks for joining us mate um, no problem this is becoming a little bit of a habit for me of, um, you know, uh, getting people on the what is Instagram live now and we turn it into a podcast once we're done. So you are next on the list and I'm very much looking forward to sort of hearing, uh, delving a little bit deeper into your, uh, into your past. You saw I wore the T-shirt today. I did. I noticed that straight away. Thank you very much. We can go into that in another in a in a well, in a bit later. We we can talk about that in a little bit uh, for sure. Um, and uh, you know, there's a whole pile of things that. Uh, oh, this is a bit of a format I've been sort of uh, following with these things anyway. Um, yeah. But again, it's all it's all about sort of trying to help uh, or like get a little bit more information out there about you. Um, and uh, you know, um, people can watch this now or they can watch it sort of at another time. Um, sure. Oh, hang on. I may have seen your wife maybe watching right now, so you well. better be behaving. <laughs> I saw it at the bottom and went, oh, really? <laughs> uh. um, she is obviously the queen of Instagram, so... Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, hello, Lisa. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, mate, look, let's just go right back, though. Um uh, let's share this kind of bizarre little connection that we have um, in that I discovered that uh, the principal of my school, um, my kids' school, um, uh, my, my kids are in like this London prep school, and just by complete chance, even though that uh, we didn't really know each other until about a year ago, uh, yeah. used to be, what did he used to be? He used to be my housemaster, uh, Uppingham. So I was in a house called Farley, and uh, he was the housemaster of Farley. So uh, I knew him from the age of 13 to 18 slash 19 when I left. Um, we so got that's very well. the, the infamous Mr. Phil Ward, who's... Mr. Uh, Phil Ward. Yeah, actually, he is just... Um, uh, he's just retiring from being a headmaster next year, um, being re okay. uh, from um, yeah, Thomas's and Clapham, but he um, is uh, being replaced by an Aussie, You'll be happy to hear. Yeah. Basically, <laughs> along the kind of English rugby uh, um, <laughs> strategy, maybe. Yeah, of course. Uh, but he's still staying in the school. I think he's kind of got bigger fish to fry sort of thing. But uh, anyway. It's yeah, either going to be that or a New Zealander, one of the two. <laughs> yeah. You just can't get the help these days. No, you um, can't. Anyway. Now, 
Uh, but look, let's go there, back there because, you know, you've obviously had, um, which is certainly unique in our group, uh, what some would say, a, a, you know, the old, the classic traditional educational kind of upbringing uh, in England. Um, yeah. Uh, so you were a boarder at the school for like from 13 to 18. Oh, I boarded at seven. Eight, you were seven. see you you are the stereotypical kind of English uh, boarding school uh, lad. Yeah, yeah. I started very early, and uh, seven to thirteen was at a school in Ilkley, um, which was called Moles. It's actually sadly shut down now. Um, a few years back, and then went from Moles to Uppingham uh, until I finished, uh, and then did the typical private school thing. Went on a gap year. And then, and then decided to go to university. Uh, highlights of your gap year? Um, well, I, I was in Australia for a lot of it. Um, <laughs> but the highlight has to be um, my, um, I followed the Lions tour. Oh, right. So I did the whole thing. Started at the top, worked my way down, followed them, ended up in bars with a few of the players afterwards. I think I missed two games in total. Um, I think uh, Western Australia won, and one I couldn't get tickets to one of the uh, three big ones against so what, Australia. What year was that? Then? If I two thousand and one, two thousand, yeah, two thousand and one. Okay, yeah. cool. Um, so you're obviously into your sport though, because if you're going to spend your your gap year chasing a rugby uh, tournament, um, yeah. Tell us a little bit about what you're into in school. Um, I played them all. Um, uh, rugby, first term, hockey, second term, cricket, third term. Did a bit of swimming on the side. Um, but that was about as much time as I had. But didn't you, uh, you did quite well in, in, what was there one particular thing that you really sort of uh, focused on? Um, I, or, the two sports I've always loved, loved playing are rugby and cricket. Um, those would be the hockey kind of just happened. Um, yeah. I was one of those kids that I wanted to be in the first team for everything, never played hockey, so decided the easiest way to get in a first team for hockey would be to be the goalie. So uh, <laughs> I got the ball smashed at me. Um, uh, and it's a hard ball. I think I broke both my thumbs, bruises all over the place. But, you know, I managed to get in all three first teams, so I was happy. Yeah, so I mean, that was the next question. You were in the first team of Uppingham, which is probably a pretty competitive sort of setup, right? Um, um, at the time, uh, we were just learning from a few of the other private schools, which is this whole bring some great players in at sick form. So I think we ended up with the England number eight, the England centre, England second row, uh, you know, England A, Scottish schools like fly half and um, scrum half. And the, I think the rest of the side, we were all in the Midlands and above. Um, so it was, we went, amazingly, we went unbeaten that year. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, proper. Um, and were you, think, were you, did you sort of like, were you a sort of, because you're pretty tall, were you kind of, did you fill out sort of at that time or are you still a, still a lanky sort of uh, quick one? Um, I, I'm basically the same shape as, I, I know it sounds stupid, I'm the same shape as I was back in school. Yeah. I kind of got it at seven, 16, 17 and never really changed. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, COVID's given my belly a bit of a sting too, but other than that. 
<laughs> yes. Um, those calories come from all different sort of angles during lockdown. They do. Don't they? They do. <laughs> um, so, look, okay, so at what point did Cairo start to interest you? Was it sort of during school or you had a bit of a, an epiphany during gap year or what? No, no, it was definitely during school. Um, my, well, uh, uncle's an osteopath, um, has been, oh, he's just retired, actually. Um, he was an osteopath in Wakefield. And my brother is a chiropractor. He's four years older than me. Um, and he went to the AECC in Bournemouth as well. So, uh, but I was really introduced to it. A chiropractor, my brother, trying to work out the dates, at least when I was 16 or 17, he was at, he was at uni. So now there is something that I did not know about you. I, d- I didn't know your brother was a chiro. Yeah, and his wife. And his wife. Oh, well, it's like you, double you, trouble. You've got my grandma and grandpa were both GPs. My other grandma was a nurse. And if you come down a generation, my uncle was a GP, his wife a nurse. My dad was a GP. My mum was a radiographer. Um, my other uncle was an osteopath. His wife was a nurse. Then you go down to my, you've got my eldest brother is an osteopath slash physio. My next brother above me is a Cairo. His wife's a Cairo. My wife's a Cairo. Um, oh, and my cousin's a dentist. So was there any of this thing that, uh, you know, when you're, um, when your dad's a GP, you said, right? Yeah. Um, and, and when your brother decided to become a Cairo, was that kind of cool with your dad or was he hoping he'd become a GP as well? Or were they encouraging you not to do that or what? Um, dad encouraged me not to go down the GP route. The Mm. only reason is he's one of the, you know, old school GPs and he felt a lot of it had changed from that personal side, you know, and that, that's just through technology and the way things do change. But he, you know, he finished work at five. He went off and did his home visits after that. He knew everyone locally, personally. You know, I remember at Christmas, you, the Christmas tree would have obscene amounts of presents under it because all his patients would buy him a present because he would see them all year round. He looked after them. They were all on first-name basis. Mm. Um, and he just felt that transition was then changing to where people were walking in and saying, reading Wikipedia, and going, I have this, you give me this. Mm. And he was like, um, how's about, let me hear what you have to say. Let, mm. me, let me use my experience of 40 years and see if it might be something different. And, and that was what put, I think probably sent him to slightly early retirement. He just got fed up with that style, type of attitude, I suppose. I'm, mm. I'm not saying, you know, technology is great, but um, that was just him going from, I suppose, a, a big transition, whereas now it's not that big yeah. transition anymore. But it's also that sort of, you know, the, the, the family GP is certainly a thing of the past, isn't it? You know, I mean, yeah. um, you know, very few people actually have that kind of person that's, uh, you know, you have a, a relationship with, you know. Um, but And so, yeah, so, yeah, so then that's, uh, so they were okay with that idea of you sort of doing something slightly different and maybe you could replicate that sort of whole scenario as a chiropractor yeah. instead of um, a GP, right? Yeah, of course. 
So then, so your brother obviously was at AECC when, well, as, as you got out of school and did your gap year and he probably graduated as you started sort of thing, right? Exactly that. Yep. Um, I think it was one, one year apart. He left, I came in basically. And was there any of uh, any particular story of, you know, like, did you not really get adjusted uh, on the Cairo table until you were at uni or was it, was there a bit of a rugby injury you had to help out <laughs> with or what? Well, obviously, Uncle being an osteopath, I think oh, yeah. he started adjusting me. Ooh, I think I got my first back pain in my first first year of boarding school um, or second year, and um, then that was when I so that must have been age seven, eight, um, and then my first chiropractic one, obviously, with a brother practicing for four years. At AECC, he would practice on his younger brother yeah, just to perfect. make sure, you know, it was all <laughs> all right. What made you do the Cairo as opposed to the osteo then? Um, I went, so I went down for a weekend to see my brother at university and absolutely fell in love with the whole area. It was a beautiful sunny day. We went down onto the beach. We went back to one of theirs, had a barbecue. And I was like, if this is my university life, sign me up. Uh, <laughs> it was just an absolute instant love with the, I suppose, the area and, and the college. He gave me a tour and I loved the bar there. Mm. So, um, yeah, it was. Uh, and at the time, it was, was it way. still one of the few European colleges, right? It was. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I mean, in my year, uh, um, we were, there were more foreign students as a group than there were English. Mm. all in which was possibly an appeal in itself well yeah obviously sometimes <laughs> that can be an appeal <laughs> oh. uh dear um now okay well, that's cool so then um i think uh, did you say you did quite well at school or was quite well at cairo school were you, were you a bit of a nerdy swat or you kind of like spent too much time at the bar um, I, I can't say I did. I wasn't Victor Ladorum or anything like that at uh, yeah. Cairo College. I, uh, <laughs> I loved the adjusting side, and I yeah. knew what I needed to do to get through on the yeah. theoretical side. Sometimes yeah. uh, you do feel that it's a five-year course, and you yeah. feel that maybe there are certain bits that you might not use, but it's, it's learning to, to know what hoop to jump through and mm. uh, just making sure that you, you know, you get it right. And uh, so, yeah, I was one so, of those types. Where's your, where's your brother ended up practicing? Is he just stayed in one place? or is He, he has a family? family practice in Barnsley. So okay. him and his wife both work there. Um, yeah. They've had that established for, for many years now. Yeah, cool. So then, look, talk to me about um, uh, your – because before you joined us um, – I mean, was it one or two years ago now? I forget. When did Luke leave? Uh, February 2019. I, yeah. I, I may have started March, but there was a crossover in February. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so before that, though, um, I know you were doing a little bit of stuff in London um, before you joined us, but um, tell me the story. Was the, the When you went straight from Cairo School, did you set up that practice that I know you've had? or No. So I did the cardinal sin of taking my then-girlfriend, now-wife, from the beautiful beaches of Bournemouth and sticking her in a 
winter in Huddersfield, where I'm uh, originally from, where it was a bit bleaker and greyer. Not to do down the north, but it was a bit of a culture shock for her. And um, so I started working in Leeds, and I think we we were up there for about six months. And, and were you uh, were you you graduated in the same year, you and Lisa? Yeah. We did, yeah, 2007. So then we started there, and then we went back down south after that. Right, so, yeah, a bit of a a quick trip up north, just to sort of see (laughs) see how it was. Um, Oh, are you there? Sorry, it froze. There we go. That's okay. Uh, And then, but then, so you went after that, you sort of, okay, this isn't really for us, Um, and then what happened? Uh, we moved back down to um, Bournemouth area, Pool, and we set up um, our first practice. Um, seven rooms in Lilliput, which is a pool, um, just just on the water. Um, and we grew that business for the next, I think, six, seven years. Um, we did uh, little satellite clinics and slightly bigger clinics for the probably one a year for, for that time. And then... Um, I suppose my wife and I, we just sat down and we were on a bench. I remember it quite well, on a bench in Pool Harbour. And we went, is this it? Um, and we we were like, my God, we're, I think we were 30 or 31 or 32. Can't remember. And um, we kind of went, right, no, new challenge. And uh, and that was, that was the start of uh, us moving to London. Um, so just uh, go into a little bit more detail. So you um, you obviously were fairly inexperienced, both of you, but you sort of thought just threw yourself uh, headfirst into this idea of taking over a lease of a building that was pretty big. Um, yeah. And you were in an area that I understand is probably fairly well populated with chiropractors, right? Because some of the graduates don't fly that far from the, from the coast, right? We, we were told by everyone it's saturated, don't be stupid. Um, and... Um, unfortunately, I have a different viewpoint. Um, I just won't bring it on, and uh, we'll see. And so there was the two of you, and did you have a partnership with another chiro as well, did you? Um, or was it just you guys? It was the two of us chiropractically. Then we had another couple of partners who were physios and massage therapists. Okay. So we actually called our clinics interdisciplinary. So yeah. not multidisciplinary, because that means there's multiple people, but whether they're working together or not, is another thing. We very much wanted our clinics for everyone to be working together. So we had um, podiatrists, physios, massage therapists, chiropractors. We had an osteopath, um, acupuncturist, nutritionist, um, a few slightly to the side where we had uh, colon hydrotherapy. It was very popular back then. Um, uh, Aestheticians. Uh, um yeah uh so uh counselors um so at really the were a, uh, at the at the peak how many locations and how many practitioners were there well over 30 practitioners um plus staff and seven satellite clinic seven clinics so we had seven rooms at Lilliput, two on sandbanks three at a place in merrick park bournemouth a place in ringwood with two we were in Lloyd's group. We were in LV group. We had another gym, oh, not a David Lloyd, but a Johnny English, something English gym. 
um, and Christchurch as well. Yeah. So, so and but the, the the sort of the the business model was based around taking rooms in other places, sort of a thing, right? So that could that be was. gyms, uh, maybe other kind of medical type centres, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, uh, and, wanted... and but but the original the the mothership was a standalone thing, but then uh, there were sort of other rooms available elsewhere. That's correct. Yeah, and then we we saw, well it went on location, and we were putting what was needed. If they were slightly bigger and we could have different benches, then we would offer just about everything. But if it was a one-off, we would decide on what was the best fit for that area type mm. thing. Okay, and then, uh, but yeah, so big call to then just go, right, no, that's, uh, let's maybe see if there's a bit more to offer in London. Um, yeah. And then you, you sort of, you, you found a, a buyer for this or it sort of... So yeah, I um, I got yeah. bought out. Um, Lisa and I had a fifty percent share, so we uh, we sold yeah. our fifty percent share. It's still going. Um, yeah. I haven't been in touch for a while or been back down there, but um, I'm yeah. sure it's going well. It was very well established. So mm. um, uh, cool. And then uh, so yeah, then you arrived in um, London. You seem to have found your home in Marlborough. Yes, meaning so, that's where you live. That is where I live. I can walk here. So it's yeah. nice, yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, central London life uh, suits you well. So um, I can't yeah. complain. Um, we uh, we have a, um, uh, a garden uh, with our block, and if it if we hadn't had that, um, God knows what would have happened in this last COVID bit. But yeah. so I've been able to be in a garden and chilling with nice fresh air because there was no traffic. Yeah, and the because I guess that's the thing is that people would ask in the same way they ask me, don't you miss the outdoor life and the sort of the Aussie sort of way of life? And then, um, but it's the same as you. But obviously, you get a nice balance having still a nice garden out the back. But um, but what where you where you miss the coast? You've actually made up for in the in the parklands of, Lo- of yeah. London. So yeah, yeah, okay. Um, yeah, so then you started working in Putney. Um, you've been helping us out through um, the sort of uh, lockdown, doing emergency care up in Marlebone. Mm-hmm. Um, but that seems to be going quite well. Um, and, yeah, I mean, was there was there anything in particular that you really sort of, you know, lights a fire for you in Cairo? Is it sort of something you love dealing with or is there any sort of thing that you consider yourself a specialist in? Um. I d- definitely not a specialist in anything um when i first qualified i did try specializing in a a couple of things actually Uh, i suppose my last year of uni i went down the pediatric route um and then uh was moving forward with that and then decided that wasn't quite for me then i did the headache route and specialized in migraine tension cluster type headaches did that for probably a year or two I enjoyed enjoyed doing that, um, and then I suppose because I was working uh, with my wife, and there were only the two of us, we needed to be good at. I, I couldn't specialize. I couldn't say no when you're first starting a business. I need every as many patients as I as I can get in to to build a business up, and so I became a diversified chiropractor. A little bit of what I've learned along the way from different techniques and thrown them all in the mix and come out with, I suppose, my own little way of doing it. Um, But 
it seems to work for me. So, yeah, look, uh, there's no doubt that you're um, a skilled technician of the, you know, the art of Cairo. So, um, and, uh, you know, there's there's a, there's a, probably a small percentage, really. Most chiropractors are, you know, providing quality general service to everyone, you know what yeah. I mean? Um, and um, not that many of us do consider ourselves to have to specialise in anything and just sort of like uh, whoever comes through the door, you just want to help, right? So Yeah, of course. Um, okay, so... Maybe do that thing too. So when you when someone sort of says to you at a dinner party or when they come in for, uh, at the um, first visit or whatever, you're like, well, what is chiropractic? How do you describe that to people? Um, oh, God. You know, <laughs> <laughs> or how does it work or, or, or whatever you want to sort of say about that, you know? Um, um, what's your standard well, you, line? The standard line, it's a realignment of the spine which will help the nervous system um work to its best the best of its ability allowing you to recover quicker easier and uh and get rid of your pain levels um uh thus far that's after so that's probably what i would do i try and explain it when you've got low back pain or you've got neck pain um always it's one or the other mostly or 90 percent of the time but then i do say i'm going to be doing the whole spine it's all joined together it's one big long kinematic chain with many little kinematic chains within and you know i've had a i had a patient with a broken toe that ended up with headaches because he his gait went out and six weeks later the headaches started and we literally we worked it out that it was six weeks exactly to the day the headaches had started. And so we adjusted his toe, his knee, his hip, low back, mid back, neck. Within two weeks, the headaches had gone, completely gone. I've had another one where it was a lorry driver and he was sitting on a wallet this thick. And I hadn't spotted it before, but he was just coming in and we, we couldn't get his spine to stay straight. And I just thought, this is so unusual. Um, and it, I then suddenly saw his wallet. Went, you don't sit on that for six hours, seven hours in your lorry, do you? He went, oh yeah, God's sakes, there's your issue. Move the the wallet out, and boom, the spine started to work better. But mm. for me, it is uh, the kinematic chain, I suppose, theory of straightening everything, making sure you're at your optimal health, and allowing the body to do what it does best which is look after itself. Mm. There's, there's definitely like an underlying theme of, of anyone I've asked that too, which is like uh, it's a pretty simple message, isn't it? You know, yeah. um, and it doesn't have to be overcomplicated. Um, you know, if you can get the nervous system firing um, or if you can just get it sort of prevent it from being interfered with, then your body will be healthier, you know. Um, so as yeah. you've said. I mean, uh, cool. you so, know, it's like it with the sports people as well it's like if you want to i've seen so many times you do a few adjustments and they i'm not making this up you'll have a golfer will hit the ball further you will have someone kick a ball better it was someone knock a few milliseconds off their their run and you it can't be coincidence that over so many years i adjust they get slight they do something 
better than they did before, that the nervous system isn't kicking in and doing what it's supposed to and putting you back to your optimal health. Mm. Yeah, and I guess, you know, having that history as a sportsman yourself, um, that's probably something that you get a kick out of a bit as well as sort of being able to help people perform better, right? Oh, hugely, yeah. Mm. Yeah, definitely. What... uh, so outside of Cairo world now, what, uh, what keeps you interested in, uh, well, you know, what's your, what's your sport at the moment you would consider tennis. yourself? Tennis. Are you back All on the court now? We can be no. back on the court. I, uh, so I was one of those stupid people that didn't take my own advice and decided the minute COVID happened, I'm going to start running again. And I blew my knee. Um, so I haven't done anything for about four or five weeks now. Uh, but it is getting better. I've had um, Brian actually has been helping me out at the clinic and obviously Lisa as well. Um, and so I'm hoping to get back on the tennis court maybe next week. But uh, that is my sport of choice now. Is that a bit of a long-standing little sort of old sporting injury or something in your knee? Or? Oh, um, I think when I was 16, rugby injury and the Leicester Tigers um, uh person he was not i think he was a surgeon actually uh went and took a few huge needles of fluid out of it and um it's kind of been a bit of an issue ever since but i'm just mm. hoping it does get better soon it's been a bit of a long one this time now aren't you known to get on the golf course at some point too i am uh the only issue i used to love love playing golf but it just takes a bit too much time at this moment, um, you know, four to six hours to get in a, a round. And I still feel as though I want to go to the gym on top. That's a lot of my, <laughs> that's a lot of my day taken out. So that's kind of taken a bit of a back burner, more a social golfer now. Um, well, you know, I did this crazy ride yesterday, right? I do, yeah. You know, part of the route went through Stoke Park. Oh, did it? And how's the, how's the golf course looking? <laughs> well, I didn't really get to see that much of it. I did see a few other golf courses that were all looking very brown at the moment because um, it literally hasn't rained for two months, you know. Um, yeah. uh, but, you know, that, the irony of it not being able to be used for a month or two uh, and then during that time it stops raining. So just when you can go back, it starts getting all brown and sort of, yeah. you know, beaten up. Um, but, no, we, um, we, we, we sort of... Prom- like that was that we definitely need to strike that off the list and go and have a social round around there um yeah. not that i play that much these days anyway but uh that seems yeah. like a good excuse um any other stuff you like the finer things in life don't you like have a bit of a car fetish or something well i love my cars um i love my watches actually as well both two things that i uh are my i suppose uh porn in life <laughs> um they uh I've got an Alfa Romeo at the moment, Stelvio, which uh, I love as my 4x4. I lease cars so I can have a new one every couple of years, which is quite nice. Mm -hmm. Um, And then watches-wise, I'm always looking and on the hunt for my new bit of jewellery. So I've got a good friend who sort of uh, likes to sort of turn them over. Do you turn them over or do you actually uh, just accumulate the watches or the cars? Yeah, no, no uh, the, the watches. Because as in, like, you'll buy really good watches, but then he'll kind of, like, trade them I, in and get another trade in. I don't. <laughs> I, so I like – so what I do like to do is buy a watch that means something. 
So yeah. I've got my I got a watch for my twenty first. I got a what I bought a watch when I sold Lilliput. Um and you know, I like I like having something associated with it. So that's why I keep them. I suppose they're a bit of a memory as well. So so let's carry on because I'm just thinking of other things uh, as well. Um, the well, let's talk about this. Uh, in your spare time, you set up this uh, charity. Talk to me about the NHS Charities Together Cup. Well, I, I didn't set it up. I had uh, a few friends set it up, but asked for my help. And um, so I was uh, on the logistics side. Uh, we managed to get 24 celebrities to uh, uh, come get teams together of threes. Um, we had people, footballers, who they actually ended up winning, Jolien Lescott, Sean Wright Phillips and Fabius Moamba. Um, we had some guys from Love Island. Um, we had Paddy McGuinness. Um, we had some rugby players, Nick Easter, Jamie George. Yeah, Jamie George. Um, we had some, some legendary cricketers. We had Joe Root, uh, Ben Stokes, Josh Butler, um, Stuart Broad, um, all these guys, and they played off FIFA 20 um, against each other. But the idea, the concept wasn't about the game. It, it wasn't there for you to be watching going, oh, my God, they're good at playing or, oh my God, they're useless. It was about the celebrities chatting to each other and and not being good, I suppose, yeah. at the game. Yeah. Um, and then we had some great, com Ben Shepard and uh, Chris Kamara commentating for us. And then that was great in between matches. We got them to chat about them and, and we, we raised a few quid for, uh, for the NHS. Yeah. And so uh, I guess it was a fairly good time to get involved with people like that because they were sort of uh, not playing sport themselves. So they're sort of, uh, was it fairly easy to twist their arms into getting involved? Um, I think a few, it was <laughs> like everything with this, some are quick, some aren't. You yeah. never know, you know, also never sure if you're speaking to the celebrity or the agent. Yeah. And uh, uh, you know, when more people, more cooks um, make things uh, sometimes go a bit slower. Hmm. Anyway, that was, uh, you know, it's like that thing where some people were just sort of at home, sat on the sofa, um, and you're like, well, I'm going to still provide some emergency care, um, <clears throat> but I'm going to also get involved in sort of, you know, helping raise the money for the NHS. So uh, yeah. kudos to you, mate. So, Thank that was you. Great. No, it was, um, it was really enjoyable, and, uh, and we'll see where it goes. Maybe we'll do another one. Um, yeah. but uh, fingers crossed it, it the, was a success but then we might as well talk about that other thing that you sort of diversify into is that uh, aren't you like an importer or a kind of distributor of a certain fashion brand or something yeah uh, well that's that's on hiatus at the moment but hoping to be uh, to be back soon you can still get it in um, uh, um, all of Brazil and America and so on um, Look, uh, for you know the benefit of our thousands of less listeners uh, tuning in for this, uh, yeah. you better give yourself a plug of the brand of what you're talking about there. Well, it's called it's called Live L I V E with an apostrophe. It's a Brazilian activewear, um, swimwear, menswear, and children's wear brand. It's the uh, the second largest in Brazil. Um, 
We're now in America, in Miami and New York, hoping to be in LA at the end of uh, end of this year, next year. Um, I've got the UK uh, rights, so we'll be online hopefully in the next few months. Um, Europe still hasn't been tapped into. We did a little bit in Norway, but then we're also looking at China and the Middle East. So, so was it uh, uh, was it sort of a was it a shop basically, or it, it is a shop? So we we had uh, we did a pop up store. So okay. we did a pop up store in Kings on Kings Road, um, yeah. about halfway down. If you know Kings Road near yeah. Mac, uh, the uh, yeah. makeup place. Um, I think the uh, co box is now next to it. And uh, so we were, what was meant to be a six-month pop-up ended up being about 14-month pop-up. And then we went online, and then that that has been the journey. So So the the online has been paused during this sort of time, hasn't it? It has. Um, Basically, it comes down to everything. Uh, money, uh, getting it here, imports, um, and things like that. Um, and we just felt it was the right time to to just slow it down, and uh, we will come back with a bang hopefully in a few months. Yeah, cool. Because no, I remember at the time when I spoke to you a year ago, I don't think there was men menswear, was there? You were like, well, there I can wasn't. get I can get you some stuff, but I don't know if you look any good in a kind of Brazilian bikini. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, but it's been some. Re- that is one thing that very fortunate. I get on very well with the owner, and um, he saw me in some live gear. Um, in a picture, so he sent me over a nice little uh, care package. So I yeah, got a load of new active wear um, through COVID. So uh, no, yeah, okay. they've actually um, they're sending me over. Uh, I'll bring some in, if, depending on how many they give me. Um, they're, they're making their own masks as well. Oh, okay. So yeah. he's sending me a few over. Oh, yeah. Cool. Uh... Well, is there anything else that you wanted to talk about? Um, we've covered a lot of information today. Uh, yeah. I've learned some stuff. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, I was going to ask about, like, if you've got a favourite book, health or non-health related? Oh, um, Beach would be my favourite book. It's the only book. I was at school reading it, and I would not put it down and ended up only with about having, having about three hours sleep. I suppose you can do it though when you're 17, 18. Um, and then you said, you said medical. Mm. Joe Dispenser, um, he's a Cairo author. Um, Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself would be oh, yeah. that one. I suppose that had a lot to do with also, you know, living a bit more in the the now instead of the future and and making changes when when appropriate that is cool yeah it's uh it's always good to sort of shine the mirror back on yourself sometimes isn't it yeah, see, it, was yeah. A, it was a good inspiration inspirational read obviously mm. with a lot of the health books you've got to take i think with a the bits out that work for you you can't mm. just go head down and do it all uh, otherwise it would overwhelm you half of the time um Give us your favourite disc, like oh, Johnny Cash. Johnny Cash. Yeah, bring it on. Well, it was at university. You've heard my voice. I'm a bit tone deaf, <laughs> and we used to play. You know the um, sing starts on the PlayStation. We'd have proper Cairo parties with us all there, and um, it is the only thing 
that you couldn't beat me on because my voice was low enough to pick up his. <laughs> so I ended up, I ended up knowing all the Johnny Cash songs because uh, I couldn't do any of the others. Very good. Yeah. So look, in finishing up, you got any health advice? What's your favourite bit that someone gave you or you want to give or you regularly give to people? Um, uh, I've always asked people to march on the spot first thing in the morning. The pain levels, um, especially if you've got a bit of a disc, just putting your hand, holding yourself and marching on the spot, trying to bring your legs to 90 degrees, getting that pelvis moving. I, I've just seen, well, I've had too many patients say how good it is for I, for me not to give it out as so that, advice. So that's the advice you give. I didn't know that. But the um, <clears throat> you literally say, get out of bed in the morning. As soon as your feet hit the floor, do like a minute of marching on the spot. Yep. Um, uh, legs to 90 degrees. And that's um, just stimulating the nervous system, but also just getting things moving, right? Absolutely. Instead of, you know, crawling to the shower, thinking the heat will help it, um, or bending forward and hurting yourself more, doing your teeth, and just mm. get everything moving. It's not, you don't have to do it quickly, as slow as you want. Mm. Um, and there's no time limit if you feel as though, oh, that feels better, off you go. But I've had too many clients say how good it was. And when I blew my disc three or four years ago, um, that is what I did, and it works. It really, really works. Alrighty. Well, thanks for that, mate. Uh, no I'll problem. Let you get on with your day. Thanks for joining. Yeah. Oh, next one should be here, actually. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> the time flies. Uh, these things yeah. just kind of like half an hour's gone before you even know it. So, yeah. thanks again, mate. See you on the podcast. Well, thank you very soon. much. Uh, yeah, I'll speak okay. to you later. Bye, okay. mate. Bye.